Once upon a time, in a little town called Bethlehem, a special baby named Jesus was born. Here's the story of how that happened. Mary was cleaning and the angel appeared. The angel said to Mary, you are going to have a little boy. You have to name it Jesus. She was like, what, how, I'm not even married. Because it would be a little scary to have an angel come to you just like while you're sleeping or while you're doing something normal. Joseph was the great, 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 great son of some kings, I don't know. Oh wait, Joseph works with wood and he's a carpenter and he like saws it and maybe like Joseph made like wagons and like wheelbarrows. Well, it was a dream of an angel coming to him in his sleep and telling him to not be afraid. She said, um, about that, you're going to get married and you're going to have a baby. Joseph said, what? Are you serious right now, bro? They went to um, a town called, what was it? Bethlehem. When they got to Bethlehem, Mary was like having her baby and they couldn't find an inn to stay in. And Joseph was telling the innkeepers, please let us in. Um, Mary's really pregnant. They said, no, I'm sorry, there's not an inch left. Well, you can certainly make some room for just us two. I'm sorry, but we don't have any room. There's barely any space left. Mary was pacing and acting calm. Like, she looked calm, but she definitely was not calm because she's having a baby and there's nowhere for her to stay. So baby Jesus was born in um, a stable with animals. There was, of course, a donkey. Donkey. <laughs> and sheep and cows. <laughs> Is that a horse or a... That's a horse, right? There could be like one or two turtles, maybe. It smells like P O O P. Cow smell awful, so it's gonna smell it even worse than that if you know what cow smells like. Sticky. Angels visited the shepherds and they were like, What is that? It was very bright. They said, Jesus is going, no, Mary is going to have a baby. Jesus is here or something like the Messiah? Go to the barn in Bethlehem to see. I guess they had to bring their sheep. Well, they, they're very responsible with their sheep, so they brought their sheep. Bah! The wise men said, are we there yet? We're not even in Bethlehem. They brought gold, myrrh, and Frankie. I don't know how you say it. Golden pleasure. I can't remember the last one. They also should have brought um, diapers, a rattle, and like a teddy bear. I don't think diapers even exist back then. Well, I would have brought him a big dinosaur toy because most little kids like either tractors or dinosaurs. That's what I'd bring. And a big one, too, because he's the Messiah. Jesus is like God's son, kind of? Because God knew he was going to save the entire world. Jesus helped a lot of people. 
Jesus is God with us. Jesus loves me. 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 Jesus loves you. Do you? To you. And so, on a silent night in Bethlehem, the world welcomed the most special gift of all, baby Jesus, who brought love, peace, and joy to everyone. And that's the simple and beautiful story of Christmas. absolutely amazing thank you everyone that's here in here that helped with that that was so fun that was amazing well if you haven't been able to tell already we like to have fun around here because we've learned that the thing that gets us through the amazing days and the hard days is this community that we have and so if you're new here today if we haven't met you before welcome um, we are so happy that you're here so we're going to ask now if you don't mind stand up and greet someone say hello to somebody today You can have a seat. To a people longing for hope and yearning for deliverance, the prophet Isaiah declared, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today we come seeking hope, peace, joy, and love, and we find these things in a child. God made flesh as a baby in a manger, a baby who is both beginning and the end of our salvation, who dwells with us even now, our Emmanuel, God with us. You guys will join us with what's on the screen here. We live as a people in the in-between who celebrate the arrival of the light that shines in lost and broken places. As we wait for the day when we will live in the fullness of God's kingdom. We light this candle in remembrance of the love that transforms us and Jesus Christ, our wondrous light. 
May the light burning in our hearts guide us, comfort us, protect us, and tend us in all seasons and circumstances, reminding us that day and night, in the light and in the darkness, God is with us. Our salvation has come. Amen. Let's stand again. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Angels breathe with anthem sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King. Whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haze to bring them the babe, the son of Mary. Nails and spears shall pierce him through the cross he bore for me.
Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky. And stay by my side till morning is night. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care, and fit us for heaven to live with It has been said that there are only two ways to live your life. The first is as if nothing is a miracle. And the other is to live as if everything is. The person who spoke those words might surprise you. It was the renowned physicist Albert Einstein who drew this conclusion as he studied the intricacies of our universe. You know, that was kind of his life's work. His job was to focus in and to to take a very close look at at how everything worked together, how um, energy worked and how order was in our universe and how the dynamics played out. But what about us? How often do we really stop and just like stand in wonder of of our existence, of the fact that we are here? We're kind of like fish swimming around in water, right? That have no idea what water even is because we're always surrounded by it. And and so we kind of take it for granted and, and aren't even aware of it. But today I'd like for us to take a second to just marvel together. I'd like for us to take just a moment to think about all the different elements, how many of them had to come together at just the right time and in just the right way for life to exist on this rock that is rotating around this giant fiery ball of gas at just the right distance, at just the right speed let alone for us to have all these factors come together for us to be who we are and sitting in these seats today. 
If it were not uh, for a rainy summer day back in 1971, I wouldn't be here. Um, back in 1971, a man named Sam Sparks was working as a lifeguard at the Central City Swimming Pool. He look, He's in the back. Y'all might recognize him. I don't know. He was working as a lifeguard in the Central City Swimming Pool, and uh, there was a young lady who caught his eye, a, name, a, ma- a woman named Kathy Willis, who was a majorette in the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he says, dad says, you know, like she came to the pool every day and walked past him like a million times so that there was no way that he couldn't notice her. Of course, she says none of that was true. And he did, she didn't even really know who he was, you know. Um, but there was this one fateful day where my mom had walked to the pool to enjoy the sun when all of a sudden rain clouds rolled in. And so, again, my dad, he claims that she knew good and well it was going to rain that day. And she says there was no conspiracy of any sorts that took place. But when the rain rolled in, dad being a gentleman or perhaps finally seeing his chance to shoot his shot, he gave her a ride home from the pool so that she wouldn't get soaked. And so that was the beginning of a relationship that has now lasted over 50 years that's led to two children and five grandchildren coming into the world. Maybe you can reflect back. <laughs> reflect back. Uh, maybe you've heard the, the story of your parents um, coming together, their love story. And you can maybe finish the sentence. If it were not for blank, I wouldn't be here today. Um, I've shared this before, but there was a scientist who was particularly curious about all of this. He he was very curious about what the chances were of us being born in a a certain time in a certain place. And so he factored in the probability of your parents meeting and falling in love and getting married and procreating. And then he factored in the probability of all your ancestors before that doing the very same thing. And then once he put all those figures together, he estimates that the probability of you being born born you in a certain time and in a certain place is 1 in 10 to the 2,685,000th power. That is a lot of zeros, you guys. It's an astounding number, so much so that at the end of his calculations, he could only conclude this. He said, a miracle is an event so unlikely as to be almost impossible. And then to underline what he's trying to get across, he says, by that definition, I've just shown that. His conclusion, his conclusion was that your existence is nothing less than miraculous. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. When I hear the word miracle, I get a bit skeptical. And maybe um, that skepticism kind of comes up in me because um, there have been times in my life where people that I know and I love have prayed for a miracle, for something particular to happen, and then it didn't. And they've been left hurting, asking God, like, where were you? Why didn't you step in and take care of this for, for me and my family? Perhaps the word miracle makes me a bit cautious because sometimes we just kind of like slap that label on all kinds of different stuff that maybe doesn't really deserve it. You know, different stuff that that we can look at and we can very clearly explain away with human effort or science. 
But what if we have tended to to define a miracle um, in a way that's a bit misguided? Perhaps we've defined miracle as either being something that God totally does on his own or something we pull off just by human effort, when in reality a miracle is, is neither one or the other, but rather both. What if miracles are designed to be a partnership between the divine and humans, between God and us people? What if God desires to work through the miracle of who he made us to be to work his miracles in the world? 2,000 years ago, that's precisely what happened, a miracle. All Advent long, we've been saying that miracles happen where God's hope or God's heart and our hope collide in ways that we never saw coming, right? In ways that we never could have expected. And so what is God's heart? Well, quite simply, God's heart always and everywhere across all of time is simply to love his children, He created us, handcrafted us in his own image. And then he took us and he put us in in this beautiful creation he made for us to provide everything we could possibly need, um, food and drink and beauty and sustenance and, and, and community. However, if all of that were not enough, God also gave us the gift of his presence. Genesis 3 describes how God would come and he would walk in the cool of the day with the people that he had created. He longed to be in relationship. He longed to be in their presence, to enjoy life with his children. It kind of makes me think of the stories I hear about my dad when I was born. Um, That same couple I told you about earlier, um, they went several years hoping to start a family and had trouble doing that. And so when I was finally born, it was just that much sweeter. Um, However, back in the day, there wasn't such a thing as paternity leave, right? We barely have that today. And so uh, my dad had to pretty quickly go back to work, but he worked as a teacher and a coach less than one mile from our home. And so he would sneak out of the school on his lunch break. I won't tell your boss, dad, sneak out of the school on his lunch break, come home just to rock me in my nursery. He wanted to be as close to me as he possibly could. He wanted to spend as much time as he, he could spare. And, and so he did. And, and then even when he was away, he would pull out his wallet to anyone who would take time to stop and to listen. And he'd pull out all those pictures we used to carry around in our wallets, right? Remember when we printed pictures out and he would show them all my pictures and then he would tell them about my newest trick so much so that they made fun of him more than a little bit they would say things to him like oh my goodness sam she's the only child to ever crawl (laughs) you know he might have been slightly over the top but i picture god like that i don't know if you if you've pictured him like that before but i truly believe that's what god is like God is counting down the minutes until he gets to spend time with his children, essentially carrying around our picture in his wallet, ready to show anyone who will stop and look and listen. He's 1,000% over the top, crazy, proud of us. God's heart always and everywhere is to love us, his children. But of course, sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this, Kids' hearts and their desires do not align with their parents. 
kids in the room, do you ever want to do something different than what your parents wanting to do? Yeah, I see heads nodding, right? Sometimes they, sometimes kids, they desire something else altogether than what we, it is that we want to give, right? Um, as, as creatures, we decide, you know what? I know better than my creator. I want something more. I want something better. What parent in this room has not experienced this, right? I mean, I can just go through the past week. These are things I don't even have to make up, right? This was easy, an easy list to put down. But here's just a few conversations I've had in my house. And guess what? They're all Sam, so don't be embarrassed, Link. Uh, yes, you will break that toy if you throw it down the stairs right before it splatters and shatters on the floor. Yes, it will hurt if you flip your chair backwards right before, bam, head hits the floor. Yes, your cereal will taste gross if you put apple juice in it as a gag at the taste of it. Yes, your tongue will stick to that frozen flagpole if you lick it. Okay, that one didn't happen. I've just seen this movie way too many times this season. I haven't, I haven't had to deal with that one yet. Don't give him any ideas, Link, okay? But I, th- I think you get the picture. God's heart is to love his people. But sometimes we desire something else. Sometimes we believe that we can improve upon um, what it is that he has to offer. You know, be that with independence or success or glory or, or comfort or perfection or prestige or position or power. You can insert into that blank, like whatever it is that, that we tend to get fixated on that we think is going to be the thing, the thing that is finally going to make us complete, the thing that's going to finally bring us fully alive. When we pick up the Bible, we find that God's people, his children across time, they were no different than us. They chased after all these things as well. They tried it all, usually not just once, usually twice or three times. However, after a while, God's children, they started to realize that all these things that they had been chasing were just like a mirage in the desert. They just left them thirsty and longing for something more. And so they began to hope. They began to hope for a savior. They began to hope for one who would come and set things right. They began to hope for an earthly king who would come and rule and reign with power and glory and authority. They began to hope for a conquering warrior who would crush their enemies. They began to hope for a Messiah who would reestablish God's kingdom right here on earth. They began to hope that God would come and restore the relationship they had once shared with one another. For hundreds of years, they waited. And then God's heart and their hope collided in this unexpected way that absolutely no one saw coming. Not in a palace amongst a royal family with bestowed power, position, and prestige, but in a backwoods village in the womb of a teenage girl who was clothed in humility. God decided to work through the miracle of this young girl's existence to work this miracle that would alter all of creation. This is what Luke 1 says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Notice it is God who takes the initiative. It is God who comes to her. His love absolutely could not let him stay away from us. But while God takes that first step, he immediately looks for a person to partner with. He invites Mary to become a part of this miracle that he wants to work in the world, even though she has some very serious and valid questions. Luke goes on. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. God and Mary in this together, the Holy Spirit enabling her to be and to do more than she ever could all by herself in order to bring about the biggest miracle ever, the incarnation, God becoming one of us, the divine joined with human flesh, Jesus, who came to show us up close so we couldn't miss it, what our God's love looks like with his words and his actions and through his life and death and resurrection resurrection. You see, when people had hope for a savior, their expectations, their hopes, they had been far too small. They had hoped that God would send another mere person to lead them. A person like Abraham or Moses or Joshua or David before. But the miracle of the incarnation is that God did not send another person. He did not send another prophet. He did not send another priest. He did not send another king to be his representative in the world. But rather, he showed up in person himself as a person to start mending all that had gotten broken. But not against us and not without us, but rather with us as his partners. It started with Mary as God used the miracle of who she was, this willing, humble, brave, faithful servant to be the conduit through which the hope of the world would come. But she was just the first, the first in a long line of people that we now stand as a part of. God's heart is to love his people. And now he who came in person partners with persons to extend his love to the world. We, his church, his children, we are the flesh that he now indwells through his Holy Spirit to get that job done. Miracles happen as we allow God to work through the miracle of who we are, our gifts, our abilities, our experiences, our passions, our personalities, our opportunities to extend hope to others in ways that they could have never dreamt up. 
You might think that you don't have much to offer or that it wouldn't really make a difference. It would just be a drop in the bucket. And so why bother? But your presence has consequences. Your life yields an impact. And in partnership with God, that impact is good. And so how about it? Where does God's heart and the world's hope collide in you? What are the kinds of miracles that our God is inviting you to be a part of? The United Methodist Children's Home partners with God to work miracles all the time, every day across our state. For example, they were a part of a miracle that happened in my family five years ago when we all of a sudden, out of nowhere, had the opportunity to adopt a child, and uh, we only had two short weeks before he was born, and somehow they stepped in and helped us be ready to receive him. Uh, One of the many services, this is a very small thing that they do, is they provide home studies that help uh, families prepare to welcome a child, and so they came alongside us. They helped us jump through all the hoops, which are many if you've adopted. Um, at warp speed so that we were able to bring Sam right home with us. But again, that's just one of the many things they do. They, they also have a residential treatment program for kids and youth who have experienced neglect and abuse. They have um, case management and mental health counseling for kids and teenagers. They have a transitional independent living program for kids that have aged out of the foster care system to help them learn how to live on their own and so much more. But all of this happens because there are people, there are counselors, and there are social workers, and their administrators and their generous people who are willing to, to allow God to use the miracle of who they are to work this miracle of God's love in the lives of these youth and children who have absolutely no idea where their help is going to come from. Julie Hager Love is one such person. She serves as the director of the children's home, and she actually has a message for us today. So let's watch together. Thank you. Hi, Broadway. I'm Julie Hagerlove, President and CEO of your Kentucky United Methodist Children's Homes. We are so thankful that we are the recipient of the Christmas offering for your church. You are making a difference and helping us to live into our mission, which is to serve Christ by providing for the physical, emotional, educational, and spiritual needs of children and families. And I saw that embodied today as we celebrated a graduation for two of our young men from high school. They're in one of our residential programs and we had decorations and a cake and all the staff came together from all our departments to celebrate these two young men, to talk to them about how proud we are of them, how they have incredible potential and how we know they will do great things and the best is yet to come for them. You've made a difference in their lives, and you are helping us make a difference in the lives of all those we serve, from our residential programs toward all our community-based services where we're working to prevent child abuse and neglect. Thank you so much. Um, Today, you have the opportunity to partner with the Children's Home and the miracles God is working through them, through your your gifts um, in the special offering. We'll get that in a few minutes. Um, And if you'd like to give to the Children's Home, you can put it in the special offering envelope that's down on the floor in front of you or write a special offering on the memo line. You can also give through the app. But before we do that, 
what I'd like to do is just give us the chance to stand in awe and wonder for a moment. We're about to like rush into like all kinds of things, right? Parties, gifts, food, uh, celebrations, which are great. But before all that, let's just stand and marvel for a moment at the miracle of who Jesus is. Emmanuel, God with us, the light that is always and everywhere shining in the darkness of our world. The gospel of John paints this beautiful picture of of the one who was laid in a manger 2,000 years ago. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing has been made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, and it cannot, and it will not overcome it. And then John goes on to say this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. It is him that we celebrate today. And so as the band comes back to play uh, for us, let's pray. Lord God, we're so grateful for your love that, that just can't be contained your love that that overflowed as you created us, your love that overflowed as you pursued us even when we turned away, and your love that overflowed as you became one of us and walked beside us and experienced life just like us so that there could be no separation ever between us again. Lord God, as we continue to worship today, may we feel the warmth of your love and your light And may that um, just be at work in our lives. May that love and light flow to the places where we need it very most today. And may it awaken in us um, this realization that you do indeed work miracles around us all the time through us if we are willing. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.